Hello, everyone. Um, This is going to be a podcast about Lyme disease and the um, struggles involving Lyme and everything related to that. Um, I figured I would just give this a shot because I enjoy talking, but I don't have the energy right now to do YouTube videos. Um, which would be my norm, so um, I figure I would just jump on here and talk a little bit. Um, I am essentially um, 32 years old, female from Ohio, and I um, got diagnosed with Lyme disease in 2015. Um, I got my doctorate degree in physical therapy in 2013. So I worked in the nursing home as a physical therapist for two years prior to coming down with Lyme disease and becoming pretty much bed bound. Um, And since I became bed bound, um, I thought my life was over in 2015. And um, I was actually on a trip to Colorado and um, I had severe head pressure, and I didn't really know what was going on um, with the head pressure. I've never had something like that before. You know, my whole life I've been a runner um, and a weightlifter um, and was relatively healthy. I've never had any big health concerns um, prior to 2015. Um, So when I got head pressure when I was out hiking in Colorado, I thought it was a little weird, um, but I thought it might be altitude issues, um, we were in Denver, uh, Colorado Springs type area, um, near Pikes Peak, um, so I figured I would feel better when I got home, uh, the problem when I got home was I did not feel better, my head pressure actually got worse, and I ended up, um, I ended up literally getting to the point where I couldn't work anymore, um, after probably about a good month of trying. I was having cognitive issues, um, not remembering what patients I saw when I saw them, um, endurance issues, weakness issues, I couldn't push any wheelchairs, um, I was having numbness, tingling, pain, very bad insomnia, anxiety, sensory overload, um, kind of you name it, anything neurological, um, a lot of burning, a lot of um, word finding problems, trouble communicating, and yada, yada, yada. Um, With Lyme disease, it's not just one symptom, it's many symptoms, and uh, A lot of the times when you go to doctors with these many symptoms, um, I think I went to my PCP years before for numbness and tingling about, um, with an antibiotic reaction about five or six times, um, I went to see him for numbness tingling and he basically told me I probably had anxiety. Um, and little did I know that was kind of the Lyme being dormant, um, and it came to light in 2015, um, so when I went to the doctor with all these symptoms, they still, and usually doctors will still not really diagnose you with Lyme disease right away um, because the symptoms are so vague and the testing is not very accurate either. Um, 
especially if you've had kind of a chronic form that's remained dormant and it's not acute, a lot of the times the CDC testing will not pick up the Lyme disease. Um, so in my case, my PCP um, didn't really catch the Lyme, did all these testings, went all of these specialists, all these specialists thought I had a virus, um, but they thought it was weird because my temp was down because my Obviously, my immune system was crashed at that point. I mean, this was more than just a simple virus, guys. Um, so I didn't know what to do. I mean, I had to quit work. It was it was to the point where it wasn't even safe for me to see patients in the nursing home. So I had to quit working. Um, and that was really hard for me to kind of like lose my identity. I spent nine years going, eight and a half years, um, almost nine years going to school for physical therapy to get my physical therapy licensure, start working. And all of a sudden I couldn't do that profession anymore. So, um, and on top of that, I was in all this pain and I felt like I was dying and getting weaker and weaker on a daily basis. And no doctors could tell me what was wrong. Um, and I was in so much pain. I maybe got an hour of sleep a night for the, for basically three or four months. I mean, I would take like five or six Benadryl just to get an hour of sleep because of the amount of pain I was in. Um, so you can imagine what I was going through around that time. It was not very nice. Nobody knew what was wrong, you know. Um, all the infectious disease specialists, you know, turned up their nose saying they couldn't do anything for me. Um, you know, we finally, my, my dad listened to a podcast about a doctor who had a heart problem because I was having all kinds of heart issues as well. Not severe, but, um, you know, racing heart and chest pains and shortness of breath with uh, standing and walking any more than, you know, three minutes, basically. Um, and some a lot of times the chest pain was at rest as well. Um, so my dad listened to, I think it was NPR, and there's a doctor that had Lyme disease, and he was misdiagnosed multiple different times um, by other physicians, you know, everybody went to see, and he ended up having to get, like, a um, pacemaker, or maybe even a heart transplant, I forget which one, um, because of Lyme disease, the Lyme disease destroyed his heart, so my dad and I started looking into Lyme disease, and we started bringing in articles to my doctor, and um, my doctor finally did this test with Igenics, um, and it was actually Lyme positive. And at that point, my doctor kind of knew enough. He already had a feeling it might be Lyme. He saw a couple other patients with Lyme in his clinical practice that he was confident with the testing and his prior clinical experience to diagnose me with Lyme disease. Okay. Um, so at this point, I'm diagnosed with Lyme. I'm still not getting any better. I'm getting weaker and weaker each day. My mom is literally carrying me in to the doctor's office because I'm too weak to even walk in. Uh, well, bear, like literally, basically be dragged in. And as soon as I get in the doctor, I mean, it took all the energy out of me to go to the doctor at this point. And that was like a 20-minute car ride and, you know, an hour at the doctor's at most, you know, waiting and all. Um, so I'm pretty, I had to lay down by 2 p.m. every day because my head pressure got so bad. I almost had to go to emergency room a couple times with the head pressure. Um, finally got on doxycycline 
and the doxycycline helped with my head pressure. So that was wonderful. Um, but um, I still had all these other symptoms, endurance problems, and I still couldn't really even walk around the block at this point either. Um, the doxy helped a little bit, made me feel a little worse at first and then better. Um, and then my primary care actually treated me for a co-infection called Bebesa, and I was on Malarone and um, Zithromax and um, Bactrim combo for Bebesa, um, which is a co-infection that my PCP was familiar with. Um, that made all of my symptoms a living nightmare. If you ever heard of Herrick's reaction, it's where something gets worse before it gets better. Um, but the problem with Lyme is it's it's really hard to determine a Herrick's from a flare um, at times. And, you know, usually if you start a new treatment and you get a lot worse, it's usually a Herrick's, but who knows, it could also be a flare. So, I'm living in a nightmare. I lost my job. I lost, you know, I was about to lose my boyfriend. Like, I was living at home. Like, I couldn't support myself, you know. Grad school cost $90,000. Um, so, and I didn't pay my parents back yet for grad school. And I'm just sitting here with a loss of identity, working the last eight and a half years for something I couldn't do. And my life has been over, you know, well, as far as I knew it, my life was over. Um, <laughs> I, you know, started searching for other people with Lyme. I found a couple people. Um, I was just trying to find any kind of connection possible because having a chronic illness is very, very lonely. You can't leave the house. So um, any interaction comes from basically the phone, um, which can be very lonely at times. Um, you know, I was still with my boyfriend at the time he hung out with me on weekends, but all during the week, I was basically alone, um, doing my Lyme treatment, and, you know, I was with my parents, but it's a lonely road, um, I have my doggies, um, so from there, what happened was, uh, we went to see an actual Lyme specialist, and he put me on different, and that took about five or six months to get into, and in the meantime, I'm just kind of, like, suffering, waiting to go see him, um, when I finally go see him, you know, he's kind of floored by how all the doctors ignored my symptoms, how I was really sick, and everybody was ignoring it, and, you know, I think I went to see about four specialists before, um, and just very, very, this Lyme doctor was very, very sympathetic. And um, he put me on another antibiotic treatment along with immune boosting things like glutathione. Um, and the summary of the treatment before that was, you know, it caused me to herx, it caused me to get worse, but it was almost too much herxine. My body couldn't handle it. So we had to kind of change routes when we went to my actual Lyme doctor, who's still my Lyme doctor, um, but at the time, we were doing, you know, antibiotics, um, glutathione, uh, it was, it was very slow progress, and I still didn't really have life purpose, like, I just wanted to get back to PT, but I didn't know when, that the worst thing about chronic illness is not knowing when it's going to end, I couldn't read more than, like, a sentence, 
Um, I was having word finding problems, so I couldn't really communicate to many people very well. If I did, it was very slow. Um, I was in pain all the time still. Um, you know, things didn't seem, they were, they were not getting better, but with, with Lyme, a lot of times if it gets chronic and it gets in your neurological system, you're not going to get better fast. Um, it's, it's pretty much in there. It's invaded your body. It's invaded every single cell in your body. And a lot of times it's laid dormant there for a long time and it waits for a stressful event to come out. And that stressful event for me, um, was the Colorado event, um, when my boyfriend actually had a seizure there. Okay. So that's kind of when that all started. So long story short is this is not, this is a very long process. Um, I'm still, you know, at this point I'm like, maybe beginning 2016, um, when, you know, it's like six or seven months into, um, you know, being sick in the first place. And, um, you know, I had to do a long wait to see the Lyme doctor because I don't think I saw him till maybe April that year, 2016, um, which I was nervous about going to another doctor because every single other doctor I went to before I literally cried my eyes out because I know they couldn't help me and I felt like every single doctor was my last chance my last hope my last you know chance of getting better and returning to work and being a normal human being um you know and there's also a stigma with not working and with chronic illness people don't understand it people don't understand never having energy or never you know or always being in pain it's like having the flu every single day of your life people don't understand that um so for me i really had to you know incorporate some mindfulness practice you know um reach out connect to other people with Lyme I found one guy in a wheelchair that I talked to for about five or six months um he had vocal cord paralysis he was in a wheelchair due to Lyme disease um but we could we kind of kept each other entertained throughout the day because we were both feeling really crappy um he actually got Lyme when he was younger his dad was a taxidermy um taxiderm, I don't know what you call them, taxidermologist, whatever you call that, um, but he did taxidermy, um, and this kid got a tick from one of the animals, um, that his dad was working on at the time, um, when he was very, very young, and they didn't diagnose him, the longer you go undiagnosed with Lyme, the more, um, damage it does, so he went, probably more than 13, 14, 15 years undiagnosed. So at that point, he was in a wheelchair with vocal cord paralysis. Um, So he kept me entertained for a while until I actually got in to see my Lyme doctor. Um, And it was really cool because he still had passions and stuff like that. Even though he was so sick, he still wanted to live life to his fullest, which I really did appreciate and like about him. Um, And he kind of taught me that you know, even though I'm sick, like, life is still worth living, even though I'm not doing what society wants me to do with working and having a job and just being kind of like a normal human being, like, I couldn't do those things because I was in too much pain and uh, having too much fatigue all the time, that it's okay, like, I can still enjoy life, you know, like, everybody deserves to enjoy life, even if they are not able to work, so um, that was a great lesson there, 
And um, I'm just, you know, at this point, still trying to figure out life, still trying to figure out, you know, I, I was just getting off a really hard treatment. Um, you know, I was contemplating like how I was going to live life like this. And if I even wanted to live life like that, I mean, every day in pain. So meeting this other guy with Lyme really helped me because it, he was almost like a role model to me um, in the fact that knowing that I can still live life with Lyme, because let's face it, I didn't know how long at this point I was going to be affected. Um, And, you know, when you, when you talk about pain, when you talk about fatigue, those are just words. You're not actually, when you actually experience that and the head pressure and the, the brain fog, and, you know, those are all just words, and the weakness, and the racing heart, and the pots, and the chest pains, and the panic attacks, like, those are all just words, but when you're experiencing all this stuff in the moment, it's very overwhelming, and sometimes it makes you not even want to live life, because it, there's no joy in it, um, when you're dealing with all these symptoms, and then, you know, you question things, um, and people wouldn't, (laughs) unless you have a chronic illness, you just really don't understand, um, this sort of thing, um, because nobody can imagine being in pain 24-7, literally, like, just nobody can imagine that, but that, that is truly what it's like, the pain gets better or worse, but it's always there, you know, Um, so how can one work like that? You know, how can one, uh, function in a daily society in pain 24 seven, you know? Um, I think it's downright impossible, um, if you're asking me. So, um, yeah, like kind of where I left off my story was, you know, meeting this guy, waiting up for my Lyme doctor, and then I kind of went into, you know, getting seen by the the slime specialist, and he was really affirming everything that I was going through, and the struggles, and the frustration, and, you know, the ignorance of, uh, you know, medical professionals, professionals that are supposed to help, and end up really being a hindrance, because they just knock your self-esteem, and your autonomy out of your hands, like, and discredit you and anything you say is false and that you know you know you had a virus and you're just going to get better and if you do antibiotics or pursue Lyme you're just like basically an idiot is what the doctor said so we learned we couldn't really trust a lot of doctors we went to the slime specialist he thought he was frustrated with you know the other doctor's response to all my symptoms and all my problems um the problem with me was my lab work was pretty much normal. So like I would just go in with these long lists of symptoms and I obviously look like a hypochondriac. Um, I would look at that before and say this person is a hypochondriac, you know, like the whole fibromyalgia. Um, sometimes people label that as, you know, somebody being a hypochondriac. Not everybody. I'm just saying some people don't understand. A lot of doctors don't understand, which is sad because these things, you know, actually do happen to people. Um, not everybody that goes in with a long list of symptoms is a hypochondriac. Um, but a lot of these doctors, if you can't label it, if you can't diagnose it, then it must not be there, right? Um, that's what a lot of them think anyways. So, um, my doctor was obviously upset that nobody really acknowledged my symptoms that well. Um, and... The interesting part was when I initially did the CDC testing, it tested 
the screening test actually tested equal and equal or positive means that you should go on to do the Western blot. Well, I didn't go on to do the Western blot. My PCP just decided, you know, this is back in 2015, just decided to treat me um, because we just discussed, you know, that it was Lyme and it should probably be treated. Um, that was with the CDC test. And then I talked briefly about the Igenix test and he went on for, to further treatment. Um, with this Lyme doctor, you know, he did extensive Igenix testing um, and just all this kind of, you know, like 30 plus vials of blood testing. And I don't even know half the stuff he did, but um, got me on a plan, got me feeling a little bit better uh, slowly. Um, I was on antibiotics. I got to the point where I could work. Um, the problem was with the, when the when the antibiotics, when I went off the antibiotics, I crashed again extremely hard this is um 2016 around some 2017 and I I just literally crashed um after working for a couple of months um because I, I stopped taking the antibiotics because I lost too much weight with them and that that was kind of around the time when I was working a lot um so I was obviously having like stomach gut issues malabsorption um, and I crashed even harder than I did originally, um, which was unfortunate. I pushed my body too hard with trying to go back to work too fast and, um, yeah, ended up pretty much down and out. But luckily by that time I had time to go out on dates, um, and that's when I kind of met my boyfriend Andy and he was just you know, he was basically taking care of me on the weekends, like, after I stopped working, he convinced me to basically stop working, because it was too much on my body, um, and then we kind of had to regroup with my Lyme doctor, because after I went off antibiotics, the weight loss, and just all the digestive issues, we kind of didn't know what to do, so we started herbals, um, and I did herbals for, um, I would say a good seven or eight months, um, severe hurricane, severe sensory, um, overload issues, um, agitation, I started to get behavioral, um, lashing out, um, just really, really, you know, uh, bad stuff mentally around that time when I went on the herbals, um, so around then I discovered my main problem was sort of a Bartonella. So a Bartonella has a lot of psychiatric disorders, um, neck stiffness, um, foot burning is the main sign of Bartonella, um, numbness, tingling, um, agitation, rage, lashing out. Uh, these are all Bartonella hallucinations, um, sensory overload um, ear pain, like ear pressure, ear pain, these are all just, you know, uh, scratch marks, um, stretch marks, uh, these are, these are all just symptoms of Bartonella, and I had almost every single one of them eye burning, um, I still have these symptoms because I'm still working on Bartonella, uh, spoiler alert, but back in 2017, these were my main symptoms, I was doing a Bartonella protocol, um, by Stefan Bunder, um, or Stephen Bunner, I don't really know right now, um, but Bunner, if you look up Healing Lyme and Bunner, you will definitely find the herbal book 
that I used um, for Bartonella, and it actually was working fairly well for a period of time. Um, and but along with you know the severe hurricane. Um, so with these herbals, they they were working, but they only got me to a certain point. Um, they never really cured the illness. Um, and this is this took me about to what 2018. Um, still hard, still trying to find life purpose, still trying to get back to work. Um, still a struggle, you know, 15, 16, 17, well, it's been almost two and a half, three years, you know, at this point, and I'm still struggling, still working on treatment diligently, you know, um, nobody was more diligent than me when it came to diet, I was doing ketosis for a while, like, very strict ketosis because of the gut issues, um, along with the herbals, just really dove deep into the diet, did whales, uh, paleo protocol, um, and the ketosis version of that, um, found out I was gluten and dairy sensitive, cut all that stuff out, um, added in some organ meat, um, you know, d- found stuff that helped for my health, I tried juice fast, but those didn't really work, because whenever I would fast and then eat again, it would just end up being a train wreck, because of all the sugar I put into my, my body, so the juice fasting didn't really work for me, um, know, at this point, I'm just experimenting with diets, doing the herbals, um, and I actually got to the point where I could move out of my home, which was a really, really big deal, and that was, um, that was about 2018, I want to say, well, end of 2017, 2018, when I moved out of my house, um, which was great, because I was having, uh, home issues at that time, um, you know, Lyme definitely, um, impacts the family. I was having a bunch of behavioral issues at the time with agitation and sensory overload to the point where nobody could really move in my house without me freaking out. Um, it got very, very bad. Um, I would basically, it was just a very bad environment for me. And then, um, just not having the support I needed at home. I felt like I needed to move out. So I moved in with my boyfriend. And as soon as I moved in with my boyfriend, all my symptoms got so much better. So now was it the house that was causing the sickness? Was it the environment that was causing the sickness? You know, I don't think we will ever know. I like to think it's a combo of possibly there was mold in my house, um, and combined with the stress of, um, not being understood, um, you know, with my illness and my own household, um, you know, just a bunch of these factors that really went on around that time that really made it essential for me to get out of my home. So as soon as I got out of my home, I started feeling better. I was able to drive. I was able to do stuff. Miraculously, I got like 50% better just by moving out of my home. So if any of you guys are sick and you're living in a toxic environment, you know, maybe moving's an option. Um, and then, so I think I'm going to stop there and kind of pick up next time um, and kind of talking about my new living environment um, in 2018 to 2019. So kind of what I was talking about was my experience from 2015 to kind of like end of year 2017. Um, so I think the next podcast I'll talk about 2018 and 2019 a little bit more and what happened there. 
Um, just for a cutoff point of the half an hour mark, I hope you guys learned a little bit about Lyme disease and a little bit about somebody, you know, what they go through um, that struggles with um, getting a chronic illness diagnosed and initially treated and what the treatment's like. And, um, you know, just, just briefly, or if you have a chronic illness that you can relate a little bit, or if you're trying to decide even if you do have Lyme, you know, I hope this was helpful um, to you in some way. Um, and I do appreciate you listening. Um, and I hope to be making a couple more of these podcasts, maybe once a week sounds good for me. Um, I like to talk about my illness. I like to raise, uh, Lyme disease awareness. So the more I can do, I feel like the better. Um, again, thank you for listening. Um, and I will pick this up later.